This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Everyone and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast, and it's a special edition today, not just uh, the international break, and uh, obviously uh, all the, the Blues chat continues through that, but welcoming a new member, our newest member to the, the, the Royal Blue team, and it's the and it's a big one, it's a big capture <laughs> that um, Echo Head of Sport uh, Joe Rimmer has made to sign the other Joe, it's our new Everton correspondent uh, Joe Thomas, so first of all, welcome Joe. Thanks very much, thanks Chris, thanks everyone. Um, absolutely over the moon to, to get the opportunity to report on such an incredible club as Everton. Um, for those who, who don't know me, which I imagine will be, be most of you, I come across from the news section. So I've done crimes and investigation and uh, played a big part in the coverage around Hillsborough and the criminal prosecutions around that over the past decade. Um, and the opportunity came up to, to report on Everton instead and, and one of the biggest clubs in the world. Why why wouldn't I want to jump at that opportunity? So it's an absolute privilege to, to know that I'll be essentially you know getting paid to follow such a famous historic club and hopefully i can do your justice and you know be a be a voice for you and your, and your concerns and also be part of the success going forward yeah okay and we, uh, it's also like the after the lord Merce show here paul wheelock is also with, <laughs> with us there paul, paul paul sort of just got overshadowed by joe's introduction there but but Paul has watched many Everton games over many years, like myself, and he's going to be making a big contribution to this podcast over the, uh, the next few minutes. But if I just uh, obviously go back to you, Joe, you've spoken a little bit about there, but your background um, at the Echo. Just uh, want to uh, elaborate a bit, a bit more on, on that and uh, um, the stuff that you, you've done with us and the stuff that you're, you're looking forward to now on, on the Everton team at the Echo. Yeah, of course. So, so as I just said, then I mean, like. Despite my my youthful complexion, um, <laughs> I've been in this game for quite a long time now. So I, I joined, effectively joined the Echo in in 2010, uh, at the back end of it, and I spent the last 11 and a half years or so working on everything from, say, for a bit of politics and development to to crime, uh, quite a few investigations along the way, um, and then also, as I say, um, you know, been a, a big part of the the Hills coverage, just sitting in. The David Duckenfield trial and retrial, and then the um, the, the 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 perverting the course of justice one that followed, mm-hmm. and, and and then trying to obviously drum up some support and um, for the campaign for the Hillsborough Law. Um, some of that which will still continue, but um, I've always had a massive interest in sport, massive interest in football. Um, you know, my life's always been heavily connected to the Blues, and um, you know, I say when the opportunity came up, I thought definitely want to take it, and was very fortunate enough to get it. So. Yeah, and obviously, it, it, obviously, as Joe mentions, obviously a, a, a bit a big role for him there. But through tumultuous times, as I'm sure Paul will uh, will allude to. I mean, just I mean, we've had we've had a, we've had the international break. We're halfway through that, Paul, and um, obviously the, the weekend wasn't ruined by an Everton defeat um, <laughs> this last weekend. I mean, just what sort of situation is Joe coming to? Coming into Everton, in your point of view, and uh, where Everton are at right now as as a team. Well, first and foremost, welcome, Joe, uh, to the, the Echo Sports Desk. And, yeah, I'm covering Abbott. I'm sure you do a great job. But, uh, yeah, it's never dull, is it, Chris? There's <laughs> <laughs> a huge difference the supporters can make in those Leeds games and certainly in the Newcastle game. And you could even see it in the Wolves game, couldn't you, Chris, you know, when there was a flat atmosphere and you could see the players. They needed the fans that day and he certainly responded a few nights later against Newcastle. So, hopefully, in the, the four, four or five home games got a left, you'll, you'll, you'll see it yourself, Joe, what, you know, what a difference the fans can make. But, yeah, Chris... 
what what you're coming into at the moment it's it's, it's a real it's, it is a troubling time you know the the table does not lie i think uh having been to every home game this season i i i don't think anyone could say that everton don't deserve to be where they are at the moment in fact you can probably argue that they're probably looking not to be in the in the bottom three given the form over the last 19 or 20 games uh, but the good thing is there are a number of other teams struggling so the the, the the club still has a chance to get out of it but it is yeah it, it is it's been a tumultuous season from the summer onwards I imagine since Rafa Benitez's probably ill-fated appointment to where we are now but it's it, it is a club that is uh, that is going places it really is if you know with the with the stadium <laughs> This is my son out there. If yeah. you can hear him, I'll just start to... right Evertonians. Yeah, he's actually, you would unbelievable. He's our four year old son, Hanny, and uh, he's wearing his Everton kit as well. So I'll have to yeah, call for a moment. Sorry, lads. Yeah, that might be all right if we get him on, then it won't be a problem. Um, <laughs> yeah, Joe, I mean, you've, been, you've, you've obviously had your introductory tweet. Um, this, this morning, getting to know some of the blues online already. I hope that's been uh, yeah, no, it's, been a it's, gentle it's, introduction. <laughs> you know, it really has actually. I've been yeah. been really well welcomed, and I'm really grateful for the support and the positive words and the kind words that so many people have welcomed me with. Um, you know, I'm under no illusion that it's going to be a, a challenging job, and I'm also under no illusion of the, the magnitude of the job. Like I say, this is such a, a huge, huge club, and other than I can as a you know as a, as a reporter on it to try and do the club and, and the fans justice so that's what I'll be hoping for I mean one of the things that um, obviously I know we're in the middle of the international break and it's still a few days away isn't it obviously West Ham away this weekend mm-hmm. and it's the beginning of a, a really crucial run of fixtures yeah um, but while we are on the international break I mean one of the things that I found really interesting was one of your pieces the other day Chris yeah about this perception from perhaps supporters of other clubs and from people outside of, of Everton that who haven't been watching Everton throughout the season, this belief that, oh, because it's Everton, it'll be okay. Yeah. I mean, you wrote a fascinating piece on this the other day, Chris. I mean, what's, what's your views on that position? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm concerned. I'd say it was 50-50 at the moment. I think there are two huge away games coming up, obviously against their relegation rivals, um, Burnley and Watford. And given that Everton's away form has been so poor this season without a win away to Premier League opposition since um, Brighton Hove Albion all the way back in August, first month of the season. That's what concerns me. I'll bring Paul in in a second. But, um, yeah, I don't think there's a there's a question mark over the actual ability of this particular group of players. Um, you could say that Everton have recruited poorly, very poorly in recent years, which I believe they have. But I still believe there's more than enough talent on that pitch for them to be safely in mid-table if you look at the quality on show but i believe that the uh the problems lie um i mean the manager himself the new manager frank lampard alluded to it after the crystal palace capitulation something myself and adam jones witnessed at sellers park um started that game well first 20 minutes they had the best of the play and then they conceded yet another soft goal from a corner kick and yeah just the heads go down and it's this problem over the mentality and and that's what concerns me do they have the stomach for the fight with with this relegation battle and it's it's something i'd want to get um paul's thoughts on if, if possible i mean is that the biggest concern for you paul if, if the reason that everton are in this position over the, the question marks um over their character yeah it, it feels at the moment doesn't it certainly away from home when the team goes a goal down it's almost like i've lost count of the amount of times this season not just recently under frank lampard 
we're probably said in like a, a message group or to one of my colleagues at work, like we can we can pack up and go home now because it does feel certainly away from home. As soon as that first goals, there's just no way coming back. And I think you've as, as Joe mentioned there, you you've written a lot of pieces lately, Chris. Where it's not about the ability. You can see the kind of goal that will be scored against Newcastle. He's got the ability. Yeah. Dominic Calvert Lewin's got the ability, but. These players have to find something within themselves. It, it's, it's kind of like that intangible thing, isn't it? It is character. There's no question about it. You can't buy it. You know, it doesn't matter how much you are worth as a player. That's the kind of thing that's instilled within. And it, it is, it is the huge question mark over over these over these players. You know, I know he talks about the the past struggles in the nineties. There's there's no comparison compared to the ninety four ninety five side because yeah. I think that not only they did they have the character they had quality which this team has got as well and it was proven by winning the FA Cup that's this season and then finishing sixth the following season and certainly the ones later on with the final day escapes uh you know th- th- this team is so much better than than some of the players who were in in, in those squads yeah. there's no question about it but they got over the line as well yeah certainly I'm thinking the 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 97 98 Chris wasn't it with people like yeah. Duncan and Duncan Ferguson the, those kind of players particularly big dunk literally called Everton across the line there. It worries me that we don't have those players now, but there's still time. There is still time. And, you know, hopefully what they've taken from some of the home games is that they do they do have the, the support, but away from home, they're going to have to, they're really going to have to pull the finger out and show some backbone because, as you rightly said, Chris, these two games are absolutely massive. West Ham are a really good football team. I remember the uh, the first game at Goodison this season, there was disappointment at losing 1-0. But in a, in a kind of a way, I remember walking out with my dad thinking, you know, we've just been beaten by a good team there. Like, in the same way, I'm sure teams said the same about us when David Moyes was in charge and, you know, yeah. we are finishing fifth and sixth in seasons. And then Burnley away, it, it, it really is must not lose, isn't it? You know, we can't be... The pressure going into the Manchester United game will be will be big anyway, but to have gone into it on the back of that would be... Would, would be absolutely massive so yeah it is you're right it, it it's really it's it's cliched it's time to be stand up and be counted but it, it really is for these players you know they've, they've had a two-week break now a lot of them have had time off because a lot are not with their international teams and just you've got to hope you know some home truths have been told after that palace game we see a reaction at uh at the london stadium this weekend i think as we saw with with that palace game and as you both alluded to there this is a team that Talent isn't an issue, but it's a team that struggles to deal with adversity. The player goes injured if the referee gets a decision or VAR the wrong way around. Obviously, being on the, the back end of some some terrible calls, like, you know, players, fans, everyone yeah. rightly annoyed by some of those in-game experiences. Um, obviously, mentality is going to be so key going forward. How big do you two think that this opportunity, this international break, how big an opportunity is it to just press that reset button and, how important is it for someone like Frank Lampard? He's been there for a couple of months now. Mm. Just have another little opportunity, another window, without the pressure of the the relentless nature of the fixtures back on on the back to back, back to back. How important is this opportunity for him? And, and what would you be saying to the squad if you were him? Yeah, um, well, I think it, it is a big opportunity, Joe. And there's a lot of scope there because, from what I've been told, that the people who Frank works with, he's got a really strong team around him. People have been really impressed by his coaching staff. I think. Frank Lampard is obviously the big name, you know, the stellar name within football, who's had this amazing playing career. He's won everything in, in the game, basically. 
but he's a clever enough guy and, and he is a clever guy because he's, he's, he's famous as being one of the footballers with the highest IQ and the, che the Chelsea club doctor famously did all <laughs> IQ tests and uh, surprise, surprise, John Terry didn't come out number one at Stanford. <laughs> the time it, it was it was Lampard and the doctor said he's got a higher IQ than me so he's a smart guy uh, but he's smart enough to know he needs to have this talented group of people around him Ashley Cole another player who's, who's won it all in in football has got him on the staff and he often when we're up in the press box he'll often be up there amongst us to try and get you know a better vantage point from a tactical point of view and he's got people like Paul Clement and all the other staff he's brought with him from his, his time at Chelsea very impressive bunch of, of coaches um, working behind them so we can have the hope that they sort of start implementing their ideas in Everton but what I'm what I'm concerned about with the, with this team is whenever we think that there should be a turning point whenever they think oh let's build upon something it's just like Newcastle United and the Crystal Palace game day and night within a, a couple of days it's the same and it was the same after the, what should have been the morale boosting victory over Arsenal back in December they went to Crystal Palace again then and got Got turned over. I'd love to. I'd love to sit here and say, yeah, I, I hope you know that all this work and in the international break, and I know they have been doing people like Dominic Calvert Lewin working with him. We're gonna we're gonna see it, you know, at the pitch at the London Stadium ne next weekend. Hopefully, we will. But it's been let down so many times with this bunch of players. That I'm not. I'm not gonna, you know, insult the the intelligence of of those viewing and listening to this and say oh yeah everything or we'll see some sort of miraculous change now but yeah it, it can hopefully only have done good to have got the players out there and finch farm and to have spent some prolonged uh, periods of time coaching them obviously those are the players that have stayed at finch farm that have been been at home for the last week or so we've also had a number of players that have, have gone out for international duty and some of them have put in some really impressive performances i mean do you hope that will provide a bit of a confidence boost going into the final? Obviously, Richarlison's got on the score sheet. Anthony Gordon scored that fantastic volley. Uh, Pickford's been an impressive and has earned plaudits, although obviously, you know, Blues supporters have been giving him that for some time. Like, we know how good he's been for, for Everton week in, week out. And obviously, there's a Nathan Patterson display as well. I mean, have you been watching any of these international fixtures and performances and thinking... Hopefully they can provide a starting point. Hopefully they've gone away, got the confidence from elsewhere, and that might help the Blues for the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, Paul, do you want to go with that one first? And then yeah, I'll, well, I'll pa pa Patterson's the interesting one, isn't it? It's the really interesting one. You know, he's, he's, against Boreham Wood, I thought he was okay, but the whole team that first half fell into the classic trap of not playing fast against a team that put every man behind the ball, and, and rightly so, you know, the uh, National League outfit. So I didn't think it was the the best, you know, uh, advertisement for his ability. But I still think he was very harsh to be brought off at half time. You know, I think he could that day Frank Lampard could easily have took off John Joe Kenny, for instance, and kept Patterson on because we would have learned a bit more about him. But every time you see him for Scotland, he impresses, doesn't he? And he seems to be exactly what Everton are lacking at the moment. You know, a bit of pace and penetration down the flanks. The issue I think Lampard's got with Patterson. Because let's face it, the other lads who've been on international duty, Richarlison, who we could probably come to, but certainly Gordon and Pickford are like two of the first names on the team sheet now. But I think the interesting one with Patterson, we, it kind of comes back to the leadership and the, the mentality elements of it all. I just don't think Lampard will feel he can drop James Coleman at the moment. And I know a lot of people, uh, Coleman gets a lot, Coleman gets a lot of like criticism at times because he isn't the player he, he, he was, but that's really the club's fault for not probably buying it a better 
back up right back or you know a long-term solution earlier than Nathan Patterson if I'm pretty sure if Coleman was playing 16 17 games a season rather than 30 35 I think he'd be doing pretty well most weeks because I still think he's a competent performer for Everton but of course he's he, he, you know age is, is, is holding against him now I just I think Patterson deserves a go but it almost makes me wonder given the fact that the centre-backs aren't playing particularly well and Mina is still out I wonder if there's a case of Lampard seems to like Chris. You're no better than me, mate, going home and away. But he seems to like this 3 4 3 formation, doesn't he? Uh, and I wonder if there's a case of maybe playing Seamus as like a third centre back on the right side and you could maybe play Godfrey on the left. I know he kind of had that role, didn't he, in the famous win at Anfield last season, you know, behind closed doors. He seemed to play a lot narrower that day under, under Ancelotti. But maybe that's a way of getting of Patterson in the team because I think. He, he, he seemed pretty frustrated after the Palace defeat in the Lampard. You know, he, he you know he, he basically questioned <laughs> questioned the players' commitments. I won't use the word he used, but I think yeah. we all understood why he used it. And it just feels like, from a, a fan's point of view, if we see the same players against uh, West Ham on Sunday, I'm not saying your heart will sink a little bit, but as you rightly said a moment ago, Chris, you're kind of wondering, are they really going to do the business for us? And I just wonder if it'd be nice to see Patterson's uh, name in the team sheet. And certainly his comments that we've been reporting this week, he shows he's, he's got confidence in his own ability, hasn't he? He was saying, I hope Frank's watching me, I hope everyone's watching me. So I, I do think, I do wonder if it's, it's time to blood him into the team. But I do think maybe maybe Frank Lampard's thinking, I can't drop my captain at the moment. So I say he knows a lot better than me in terms of formation and players. But I was wondering if that's a potential way you know, we could get around that by maybe having both in the team. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, it's a good point you make that, to be fair, about using Coleman and uh, Patterson, because I think the exact same reasons uh, Paul just pointed out there, he feels that given there's such a dearth of other leaders and characters within the squad, that Coleman, regardless of form, which waxes and wanes, is almost undroppable in that respect as a captain as a skipper on the pitch a leader of men I and mean, we've seen at times how much it you know it means to him um, you know a modern day icon at the club who's been an absolute consummate professional so yeah that if he is going to persist with this three at the back and it's not a formation i'm particularly comfortable with myself and one i think that ever now particularly comfortable with. I think if you go that way, you've got to play all the time and maybe want to start off in pre-season and, and go with it from there, but rather than mid-season. But yeah, if he's going to go with that formation, maybe um, Paul's right, have, have Coleman as a third centre-back and, and utilise Patterson, because it seems, I mean, staggering really that it was the, Everton's, I think, busiest January transfer window on record. Brought in these two new full-backs and, I mean, Mikalenko's played a little bit. Um, obviously, there are very mitigating off the field circumstances there with his development and the the, the war in the Ukraine and you, you know goodness knows what he's thinking of, um, about himself and his family at the moment. But for Patterson to only have had those forty five minutes against non league board and wood in, in the FA Cup, considering <coughs> what a reputation he, he came down with, um, yeah, that, 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 that's a, that's a, it's staggering really that they spent all this money and and they've not they've not used him more, but. Um, Going on to some of the other ones who played, I know uh, you were doing a, a roundup of the internationals, Joe. But, uh, Richarlison's an, a, another one, isn't he? Um, he's, I mean, you know, I was, I was down at Norwich that day when he scored that sensational uh, overhead kick there, but it meant nothing. Obviously, it was just a consolation on the day. Everton really need the likes of himself. 
Dominic Calvert-Lewin to step up now in this um, last six weeks or so, uh, seven weeks, whatever it is of the, of the season, because like I said, these, these big game players with these huge repu- reputations and, and they need to deliver because there's just not been enough goals from either of them. No, and he scored. I mean, if you get the opportunity to see Richarlison's goal um, from from last week against Chile, I mean, it was the fourth. It was the fourth goal in a four 0 mm-hmm. win. But I mean, you know, he, he cuts inside. He cuts inside from the right, curls it in with his left foot. You know, it, it's a lovely goal, and you know, you just it's just what we've been missing. Uh, you know, over the last over the last few months, just that kind of almost that arrogance, that confidence in his own ability to be able to beat a man and and, and to pull the trigger, and you know. See, finding where those goals are going to come from in these big games that we've got coming forward, it's just going to be crucial. We've got Calvert-Lewin showed exactly what he can do when he set up a Wobi for, for the big goal against Newcastle. Hopefully, this has been a, a period where he can regain his fitness and, and hopefully kind of, and, and some confidence in that as well. Um, but we need goals from all over the park as well, don't we? And, and you know, say Anthony Gordon's goal was, I mean, that's, that's a lovely volley against uh, Andorra for the under-21. So that might provide a little bit of confidence as well. Patterson and Press going forward, but defensively, obviously, you know, Pickford had a fantastic game, didn't he? Um, you know, once again, I think, proven why he is number one and why England, you know, why, why Gareth Southgate sticks with him. Yeah. yeah, most questionable. Most definitely, I think. Yeah, the, I think you did a, a cracking rebuttal, didn't you, recently, Chris? After yeah. Stephen Warnock, who I've actually met a few times, he's a really nice guy. You know, yeah. but but you were you were bang on to to take him to task, right? To be honest, because uh, yeah, the, the, even you know, there's there's something about Pickford in England. But I think Phil McNulty said recently, like, didn't he do the stat where he's never made a mistake that's led to an yeah, England goal? But you know, for I don't know now. Well over a year, I think, for Everton, he's been exemplary. Yeah, maybe there's a couple of goals in that time that he could have done better with. But you know, which goalkeeper can't? Which goalkeeper can you look at and say he couldn't do better with every goal? You know, they concede kind of thing. So there's no complaints where where Pickford comes from. But you make a good point, Joe. Really, the, the players you've named there are coming back on on the back of of good experiences, which which should help them confidence wise. Because obviously, it was a horrible afternoon at Sellers Park and. You align that, I try to be positive, align that with, you know, a good couple of weeks on the training ground. You know, we've seen some of the pictures. There's a few smiles there. You know, Fabian Delft's coming back. Certainly not a fan favourite. Can't keep him fit. But, you know, th- there is a player in there, I think. Uh, hopefully, Calvert-Lewin, Damari Gray coming back after injury. I've, I've got a lot of time. The, the squad, um, bar Townsend and Mina, is, am I right, Chris? I'm trying to think. Is Will it be close to fully fit if everyone comes back? Yeah, from international duty. So it's in terms of bodies, but it's looking pretty strong. But as as we said at the top of the podcast, it's not really the quality that's the issue, is it? You know. Yeah, interesting. Like what we said about Pickford. Um, he's now see Everton's most capped England player. That was his forty third time uh, he played for England. He took Jagielka's record there, and obviously Everton haven't had that before. Where we've had an England number one and all the. Uh, sort of the scrutiny that, that obviously goes with that. And it's been interesting because, don't get me wrong, Aaron Ramsdale has had a terrific season at Arsenal and um, really come on uh, leaps and bounds. But to say that some player who I think has got one cap, I think was in a 10-0 win over over San Marino, where I dare say either Joe, Paul or even myself might have uh, <laughs> fancied our chances in between the sticks. Um, to, to say that he should, based on this, uh, but suddenly become... England's number one when 
Gareth Southgate, it's, uh, you know, sees Pickford as one of his most trusted lieutenants. And I know a lot of Blues and a lot of uh, Scousers, whether they're blue or red, they will, will say, you know, we're not bothered about England. Uh, you know, they can, you know, I think Liverpool a lot like that with Trent Alexander-Arnold, aren't they? You can say, you know, we're not bothered whether he gets in the team or not. You know, he's just chance that he gets injured for, for Liverpool or whatever. And, you know, we're just concentrated on ourselves. But it's a lot of kudos, obviously. And it's, uh, I'm sure Pickford is very proud of the fact that he's, he's England's number one and has been in that position for a long time and Everton having the England number one can only be a good thing like I said in that piece um, a lot wrong with Everton at the moment as, we, as we've discussed but if you start nitpicking things about Jordan Pickford's game these players shouldn't be mollycoddled at Everton and if they are making mistakes if they are letting these chances go through I mean he wasn't protected at Sellers Park I mean he was frustrated there I think a couple of saves one came off the bar and they scored the rebound then the last one he made a great save from Gallagher and then they just put in the tapping for the rebound. Of course, he's well within his rights to be uh, criticising and chastising those in front of him. There, they need to stand up and be responsible, like we keep um, saying. I mean, Jordan Pickford, uh, for all that he's made mistakes in the past, and they've obviously been highlighted um, to a great extent, high profile errors. He's been really consistent sort of ironed out those mistakes in the last uh, uh, year or so and um, in what has been a very troubled time for Everton has actually been one of the most consistent um, performers and one of those players that um, you can rely upon I know you're only just coming into the role Joe but what you've seen from Pickford in, in recent times and is, is he someone that's impressed yourself well, well of course as yeah. I say you know he's he's one of few players that I think comes out with from this season so far, Everton, in, you know, in, in the positives, obviously Gordon being another one, both had good weeks on international duty so far. Obviously, you know, I think there's a good deal of, of short-termism when it comes to you know sports media and when it comes to football. You know, sometimes we're probably guilty of it ourselves. Obviously, everybody always likes the the shiny new thing that emerges from from nowhere. Arsenal of you know after a difficult start have had a very impressive season and, and as a result you know Ramsdale's had some good performance and they made some some, some big saves but obviously you know he's also protected by a, a defence that has grown as the season's gone on you know Ben White started for England the other day well that's that's no coincidence it's because he's been playing week in week out for Arsenal and in an Arsenal defence that that has improved and obviously got them into a position where they're amongst the favourites now to finish in the top four Pickford hasn't had that luxury. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that sometimes it almost—it's almost too obvious. Of you know, he's a talented goalkeeper, but he's playing for a team that's struggling. And you know, there have been moments in his career, like almost flashpoints, where he's made mistakes at big moments. But you know, it's almost judging him on the the caricature of what they think he is, rather than what he's actually been delivering for the last you know, not just weeks or months like Ramsdale, but what he's been delivering for the last 18 months where he's delivering the, the Euros for yeah. England and even the World Cup before then, you know. I mean, I can understand the argument that international squads should be picked on on domestic form, mm-hmm. but that's that's not quite how football operates, really, or it shouldn't be how football operates. I mean, you know, players earn managers' trust and they perform on the biggest levels and, you know, they, they deserve to, to get a bit of the benefit of the doubt as a result of that. Pickford doesn't need any benefit of the doubt, you know. I mean, he's performing domestically, he's performing internationally. Um, obviously, he's not one of the question marks going into the last few weeks of the season. So, obviously, hopefully he can keep up his form. But really, what we need is we need him to be better protected. Yeah, definitely. That's what I was saying. Obviously, the, the, the concerns over 
this defence in front of him. But um, obviously, it, it, it's, it's it's a double whammy when when you're not scoring at the other mm. the end of the pitch either. And I think is it just something like one 99th minute goal in the last six Premier League <clears throat> well games against Premier League opponents? I can only hope, as we said, like Richarlison, Anthony Gordon, um, to t- t- take that back to them because Everton do need somebody to say, well, they need probably more than one, but they need characters to, to stand up and, and uh, as Paul said, to be counted in in this uh, running to the end of the season now because it, it's, it's so close down there and um, desperately short of goals um, going forward. Um, this work at Finch Farm, which we've alluded to already over the past uh, couple of weeks, I can only hope that, um, that, that that has helped things well because, I mean, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's another one who um, has been linked with a move away and in recent days, who uh, you know, the fact that he's 21 goals in all comps last season has more or less been taken away now since the end of August. That, that, that's, that's a huge uh, sort of miss in the team, isn't it, Paul? Oh, hugely, yeah, hugely. I read your piece before, mate, and uh, I, I feel for him. You know, he, he clearly, you know, he started the season well. Started, I know two of the three goals came from the penalty spot, but to get that injury was a, was a shocker after the season he'd had and after the summer he'd had with England, you know, part of that squad that got to the final. And then who knows how things may have been different if that penalty at home to Brighton had gone in. You know, maybe he had a spring in his step, maybe he avoids these kind of niggling injuries he's had since. But, you know, love love DCL. You know, he's a, I think he's a, a terrific player. I think he's certainly not the finished article, but I think, you know, he, he was excellent last season. I think whatever happens in the future, I think he's... He's going to be a, a top player if he keeps on working at his game. But I think he owes him a little bit here now. You know, as the other players do, we need him. You know, there's no question about it. We need him firing in these past, uh, these final 11 games of the season. And he's not done it in recent weeks. But he was good against Leeds. I think everyone was good against Leeds. It was the perfect opponent in many respects. And uh, and he came on and made a vital contribution against Newcastle and looked lively as well, didn't he? I know he went close from a, a Richardson cross just before the goal. But in the other games, it could be a fitness thing, it could be a sharpness thing, it could be a morale thing, but he's not looked quite at it, has he? I know. And if we're holding him to higher standards, he has to accept that because he's the Everton number nine, he's an England international, you know, he scored 21 goals, as you said last season, Chris. So, more than anyone, not more than anyone, because that's not fair, you know, every player's got the responsibility to step up uh, starting at the weekend, but we need. We need him back now and hopefully what Frank Lampard said where he was always going to use this two-week break to, to get him sharp has, has worked. But it's it's you went back to Richarlison, you know, another player I've got a lot of admiration for. But he needs to score more, you know. He snatches at chances too much for me. You never question his work rate or his commitment to the cause. You know, at times you feel, you feel sorry for him because I think there's other players you could take a leaf out of his book. But... He needs to do better, certainly in front of goal, you know. And if 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 those two players alone can show any kind of sort of the form that that you know we know they've got in them, it, it could be a different it could be a different ball game. But you're right, Chris. You know what's Richardson got this season? Is it four, four or five, something like yeah. that? Dom Dom's on three. Like, there's a lot of reason why Everton find themselves in the position they are. But that a lot those that those figures alone are a, a, a big reason for it. We've seen it a good while ago when Lukaku went and it has been like losing a Lukaku this season you know we got 20 odd goals the season before he left and we've lost the same amount of goals from the two strikers this season uh, so but both hopefully with Charleston comes back confidence we were talking about 
and, and, and DCL sharp again because they can make the, the world a difference to us. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. How important do you think um, the rest of Richarlison's season is um, with DCL coming back? I mean, obviously, when a fully fit DCL changes that Everton starting eleven, of course, he, you know, he walks into it and also potentially changes the makeup of of, of, of that you know, of that attacking line as well. I mean, one of the things that we saw when when Cavalin did come on against Newcastle, obviously what it meant was it meant that Richardson, from having led from the front and being the nuisance that he was all game because he was a handful, even if he wasn't you know, necessarily creating or finishing opportunities, being able for him to, as he did then, was kind of almost peel off to the left. And what, what you had was you had threat from numerous areas. I mean, if Dominic Calvert-Lewin is fit and we come back into this run of games with him starting games, you know, how much of a boost do you think that'll be to Richarlison? I think that um, I mean a, a different role for Richarlison. Definitely, yeah, you get them both in, in the team in my book. They, they've both got to be there. I mean, Richarlison's spoken in recent times how he prefers the centre-forward position, but I think when Calvert-Lewin's fit and firing, you, you've got to play them both, and that means Richarlison moved out to the left. It's, it's interesting, really, because people have said, well, they've observed that the way that Lampard necessarily plays the game, I've done a piece on it myself this morning, how the, the style of play has changed since uh, he replaced Rafa Benitez and that there are less crosses coming in from the flanks now and there's more passing in, in the midfield. You could say in many ways, is Richarlison more sort of suited to being a, a Lampard centre-forward than Calvert-Lewin? But personally, I think you've got to get them both in the team and whether it's the 4-3-3 or the... 4-2-3-1, whichever formation he's going with, I think it means that Calvert-Lewin has to be the spearhead of the attack and Richardson cutting inside um, from the flank. I just, ho- I just hope that whatever formation it is, that there is enough goals between them between now and the end of the season because as I think we've both alluded to here, they, you know, they, they do have all Everton something in this respect in that for whatever reasons, there's been you know injuries or... Um, playing in different positions with Richarlison. There just hasn't been enough goals from either of them um, this season and they, they, they really need to sort of um, up that ratio between uh, now and the end of the season. Yeah, I just I, I don't know about you guys, but it's like a name I'd like to throw in there is just Deli Alley. <laughs> you know, because like the, he was, I know, again, not through no fault of his own, being cup tied, he's probably missed games that he would have started in, certainly. Yeah. You can imagine the the Brentford game, the Boreham Wood one, and maybe even the Palace. But I just wonder in these eleven games if there's there's something there for him. But because but it just depends on the formation again. Does it? It, it, it? In a strange way, Lampard's got too much, too many options up front. You know because he's got you you name there Richardson, Calvert Lewin, two of the first names on the team sheet. You'd think, but then you've got to get Gordon in there. But at the same time, what about Damari Gray? Obviously, Townsend's gone now, so that's one name off the list through his, you know, very unfortunate injury. But I just, I don't, I, I, given the fact that Ali is one of the players, or Delhi is one of the players who stayed behind at Finch Farm over this international break, I just wonder if Lampard's got something up his sleeve regarding him, because surely what was the point of bringing him in if he's not going to play him? You know, and to be honest, you know, in the, the little cameos that we've, we've seen so far, he's probably not done enough to justify a start in place, but it's, it's clearly not working, you know, as, as, as morale boosting and as incredible the win over Newcastle was, you know, 
you know, a bit more to kind of a bit of fight, which has been missing rather than quality, wasn't it? I think that'd be fair enough to say, Chris, that night. Uh, but I just wonder if there's a place for him in this team. But it's, it, it, it comes down to, to Frank, what Frank Lampard's got up his sleeve because it, it does seem like he wants this fourth. 3-4-3 formation but where does Ali fit in that I don't think he's a, a wide player is he I think he is your, your classic not a number 10 is in terms of like a, a creative number 10 in terms of slipping balls through but he's it's similar to what Lampard was as a player I suppose uh, but yeah I, I think he must he must have a role to play and you know in this run into the end of the season I just I'm, I'm intrigued I'm, I'm not sure how it would work out because I'm not sure he's going to play him but I'm just intrigued to see what role he could have I mean it's a big last couple of months for, for Deli Alley, of course, isn't it as well? I mean, you know, his his career has is, is, is really gone by the wayside after, you know, looking, you know, he was genuinely one of those those big three attacking giants, really, for Tottenham with, with, with Son and Kane, obviously, when they got to the Champions League final. Um, you know, you look at what's happened since then, and there's so many question marks over how he's ended up in to the point where he was seen as disposable by Tottenham Hotspur. I mean, you would hope that he will be doing everything that he can to you know, to prove them wrong and to prove to not just Everton fans and you know, justify Frank Lampard's uh, decision to sign him, but you know, to prove to the footballing world that there's still a player in there because there is a magnificent talent who can no doubt, no doubt, have an impact on this battle for uh, for survival over the coming weeks. You know, he's he's one of a number of players who, you know, even looking at it from a selfish selfish perspective, from their points of view, I wouldn't necessarily say that their careers are on the line, but Donny van der Beek's got a big point to prove. Obviously, his the way he's been treated at Manchester United is peculiar, to say the least. You know, he hasn't really been given the minutes to work out whether or not there is a player that can play you know, in the, the, the top end of the Premier League there. But now he's got the chance to get those minutes. He has got to start producing some performances as well if he wants to, you know, build on his career or find a move away from Manchester United to somewhere, you know, somewhere that he views as decent in the summer. You know, there are quite a few players in those situations where if not fighting for their careers, they're, they're certainly fighting for, you know, their, you know, their football and future and, and, and the esteem in which they're, they're held because there are genuine question marks over them. Yeah. Um, Michael Ball went as far as saying that, you know, careers are on the line there when he was doing his column last week. Um, he said, that, Joe, it's another reason why players with a point to prove, why you you would hope mm. that they would have that incentive, that fire in their belly to to get themselves out of this um, predicament. Um, yeah, that, that Deli Alley is a, a really curious one in that, you know, his form just fallen off his, a cliff. I mean, you can't just all, all pin it all on Jose Mourinho. It's got the other factors in there. And you did hope that when... Frank Lampard brought him and uh, Donny van der Beek in on uh, transfer deadline day that, you know, if anyone was going to get a tune out of him, maybe Frank Lampard, the ultimate Premier League um, goal-scoring midfielder himself from his, from his from his playing days. So whether it's one, it's it's, um, it's a, a long-term option you're looking for next season, well, I don't know, is that too, is that too late, both for Everton and for Deli Alley if, if, he, if he doesn't deliver it? It is curious, and as Paul said, he's... He struggled from the fact that he was cup-tied and has not been in some of those games where it might have been easier to sort of integrate him into the team. But it would seem that both on what we've seen from the matches and maybe given that he hasn't had those extra minutes, what Frank Lampard has seen so far at Finch Farm, that Delhi hasn't delivered or shown enough yet to, to merit um, a place in the starting lineup, And that's concerning. I know when the deal was 
dawn that a lot of people have seen was made that it could go anything up to 40 million, a high, a highly structured deal. And, you know, Daniel Levy's not going to give you something for nothing. But that if that 40 million ever gets spent, it will be because Deli Ali and Everton have done great things mm. together. And I think they're a long way off even getting anywhere close to that. But yeah, it could, it could maybe it could just be this, this, um, this ace at Everton have up their sleeve if, if Delhi is somehow able to conjure up a, a bit of magic and it might only need to be one piece of magic you know if it's if it's a winner at Burnley or something yeah. like that maybe it will justify the the, the, the sign and them. but yeah it's a curious one and like you say Van der Beek's too I mean he's a different one because I can't see at this moment I mean stranger things have happened but I can't see him having a long-term future at Everton in that um I know Manchester United were always keen to take him back next season. This was just an opportunity as they saw it for him to get Premier League minutes under his belt, especially if obviously they they get the Dutch coach in, in charge. But um, yeah, he, he, he wants to obviously show that he can prove it as a Premier League player as well. And that's just yet another incentive for these players to, to get themselves out of the, the, the very uh, desperate situation they currently find themselves in. When you look at it, I mean, if you were looking at everything on paper, you know the the talent that's there, um, the the know-how that should be there from the you know from the management squad, uh, the players returning from injury, the fact that we've just had you know an opportunity to reset at this important stage yeah. in the season, the fact that some crucial players have gone away and, and had confidence building exercises with their international teams. On paper, everything's there. Everton to, to suggest that Everton should be able to, well, they shouldn't be in this situation in the first place. If it was as simple as everything being on paper, then then they wouldn't be. No. But I mean, obviously, there's far more that comes into it than that. I mean, one of the things you said earlier was 50 yeah. 50. You're, you're not sure, are you? Yeah. Like, I mean, when I mean, I know we're skipping a game slightly here by, by looking at Burnley because obviously that is the big one. And this view might change depending on what happens in the weekend's fixtures. But in terms of your current perspectives at the moment, you two, do you see Burnley as must win or must not lose? Do you want to go first, then, Paul? Oh, let's just have a look. Who, let's have a look who Burnley playing on this weekend. They've got City at home, so we need City to win for a number of different reasons. Consideration at the moment. No, no I'm, I'm only joking there. Yeah. It's just there, but you know, <laughs> we need City to win that game without question, uh, and you would expect them to because uh, let, let, let's uh, let's be serious about it. Then, them and Liverpool by far away the two best teams in the country in the moment and I think they'll both win at the weekend before their big game in a couple of weeks time if if that's the case we'll still be ahead of Burnley no matter what happens at West Ham and even if it was an Everton team in form West Ham away is a really tricky game now you know so there's no guarantees we'll get anything there particularly given our given our position and I say form Burnley just must not lose I think if you can I, I, a draw at Burnley isn't is a half decent result anyway. I think a lot of the time. I think if Everton can draw at Burnley, beat Watford away, then it's it's really in the team's hands. Then because you've got United at home, Leicester at home, Palace at home, Brentford at home. It's re- I think three, maybe four, definitely. But I think three wins and, and one away win and a draw at Burnley would do it. I think it's absolutely huge game that one because if 
and I, I don't want to be negative here and think the worst, but if we were to go into that game and they were to, to beat Everton and then move above them in the table, I don't know what psychologically that would do to this team because is, is, is it my mind? Or haven't slipped into the bottom three yet, Chris or Joe? I, no, I no, they haven't. have missed so many opportunities yeah, to do so, they, haven't they? It's been yeah. the, one of the features it's, of the past six weeks. It's just ridiculous that, given the amount of losses in these past 20 games, that it's not happened yet. But I, I'd fear for what that would mean, you know. Uh, but it's, like, it's kind of like what we've referenced out this pod. You've got to hope the pennies drop with this squad. And I know I'm probably being too op- too optimistic or upbeat there. But they've seen over those four days before the international break what it was like at Goodison on the Thursday when they gave it everything. I say the quality wasn't always there, but they stuck at it. And when the chips were down after that, I think a fairly harsh sending off. They, they pull through and you see that the fans are desperate to be behind this team. You know, Everton fans get a lot of, you know, get, you know, get beaten over the head sometimes about like the booze and stuff like that. But, you know, I'd say to other supporters, if you've been watching some of the stuff that's been served up over recent years, you know, there'd be a couple of times where you turn as well. But the, the players have seen what that support can give you against Newcastle. And equally, they should know that what they turned in against Palace after probably the second goal was nowhere near good enough. And, you know, I, I, you've got to hope Lampard certainly snapped a little bit with those post-match press conference after Palace, and you just hope he's drummed it into them that you know that wasn't acceptable. But what he did a couple of days earlier was acceptable. And I think if we if we were as solid as we were against Newcastle at Burnley, for instance, I think we can get something. It's it's it's, it's obviously on the, on the manager Frank Lampard. You know, he gets paid to, to get results, but it's so much on the players. This as well, I think they should know that the supporters are going to be there for them if they give it their all and. Uh, you know, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm probably uh, going off the point there. But yeah, to come back, Joe, yeah, I think must not lose. Must not lose. Maybe not must win. I think, I don't think a draw would be the end of the world at Burnley, but we can't lose that one. What do you think, yeah, Chris? Yeah, I agree. As you say, it's, 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 it'd be incredible if they would win because it would also not just have the, the get um, daylight between themselves and Burnley, but would actually be a long overdue away win. But I think it is important not to lose this game as it is at, at Watford because... They're both within touching distance of Everton. And the way I see it panning out, if Everton are going to save themselves, it would be avoiding defeat in those two away games against those relegation rivals. And they're not being flat-track bullies because there's some real tough games, mm. but there are what we would see as winnable games at, at Goodison Park between now and the end of the season. And so, yeah, must not lose. But obviously, it's a, it's a huge game of uh, against West Ham United. And David Moyes, West Ham United's come before that I'm wary of the time now so I think if, if we just close up there but I believe that obviously we've got some big off the field news expected in the next day or so in t- terms of Everton and obviously um, with some stuff uh, with the stadium hopefully coming up as as well so we'll have plenty to discuss there and obviously that trip to the London Stadium when we reconvene there late in the week but it's been a very uh, I'd say um intriguing and uh, interesting uh, introduction here for, for our newest member of the team uh, Joe Thomas and he's uh, ingratiating himself with his, his, his new uh, Evertonian audience and so yeah so I, I bid you all uh, farewell from uh, from Paul myself and, and Joe and we'll be back with you soon this has been the Royal Blue Podcast You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo